Welcome to episode 101, a 34-part episode on Catholicism 101, the foundations of our Catholic faith. These episodes originally premiered on YouTube. You can find the original video linked in the description to this episode, as well as a discussion guide for your benefit and whoever you might be listening with. A friendly reminder and invitation to please, if you have not yet done so, please rate and review this podcast. It helps other people find it. It's such a great way to get this podcast out there and for you to share it with others. But remember, the highest compliment you could pay this podcast and myself is to share this episode or any episode on social media. And you can do that by simply posting it on your story or tagging us in a post. At Mana Food for Thought is our Instagram handle. At Mana F4T is our Twitter and our Facebook page is just Mana Food for Thought. You can find all of that on our website, manafoodforthought.com, as well as all of our previous content. And if you'd like to become a financial sponsor for as little as $1 a month, you can do that by clicking on the Patreon tab on our website. If you have not yet done so, I really want to invite you to check out our friends at Thrive Coffee. It's Coffee with a Mission. Their website is drinkthrive.org, and they are a nonprofit craft coffee roaster in Richmond, Virginia. They use coffee to create careers and training opportunities for individuals with disabilities. Uh, they ship nationwide. Their beans are locally roasted in small batches. They make blends, and three bags sold pays for one hour of work for their differently abled employees. So go to drinkthrive.org, buy a few bags, and if you use promo code MANA, M-A-N-N-A, at checkout, you will get 15% off your first order. With that being said, enjoy the next installment in episode 101, a 34-part episode on Catholicism 101. Enjoy. I was a little late to the smartphone world. I didn't get one actually until iPhones had been around for about four or five years. Pretty much everyone else I knew had one. I had a flip phone and did everything that I needed, but not being able to do certain things as easily as everyone else or have the ease and accessibility of so many of the features, especially being in college at the time, having those on my phone, it started to persuade me to make the change. So I went one day on a weekend and I got the newest and latest iPhone. I played with it all day. And the next day I went to school to my college classes to show all of my friends so excited that I was no longer on the bottom of the technological totem pole. I had the iPhone 3GS. Little did I know that that day, the very next day after I had gotten my phone, the iPhone 4 came out. So instead of joy and excitement, all I heard was, why didn't you wait till today? Why didn't you have the 4? Did anyone tell you you could get the 4? You could have had the brand new model. I had no idea. I had upgraded so far above what I was used to, but to everyone else, it wasn't good enough. We live in a very consumeristic and materialistic world. With, with social media and never-ending advertisements, we're often bombarded with images of all the things that we don't have. We find ourselves wanting instead of appreciating what we do have. This all goes back to our very first episode on desire. We all want something more. And when we turn to earthly things, they never satisfy. And instead, they quickly expire, lose their excitement, leave us right back where we started. Now, the seventh commandment says, you shall not steal. So to keep this commandment, we need to acquire the virtue of moderation when it comes to our possession. We need to have justice in our treatment of others and respect for their human dignity, solidarity with all people. But moderation, it curbs our attachment to stuff. 
It restrains our appetite for consumerism and the greed and envy that often leads to things like stealing. Now, the seventh commandment, it obviously forbids actual stealing or theft. This includes not only robbery, but also actions like fraud, embezzlement, money, money laundering, uh, computer theft, counterfeiting money, identity theft and mail scams, cheating on tests, um, procra procrastinating or wasting time at work, work that's poorly done, and copyright violations, which includes pirating things like music or computer software. This also has a lot of implications in business. You know, we cannot pay unfair salaries or cheat in business or exploit people to make money. Promises should be kept. Contracts should be honored to the extent that they're morally just. And we need to safeguard property rights to pay our debts and to fulfill the obligations that we make. We also believe that government has a right and an obligation to safeguard the ownership of money and property and to protect people from robbery and injury. These are all ways that we could actively steal or take advantage of uh, situations or other people in an unfair way. However, this commandment, the seventh commandment, also calls to attention all the ways we are unaware of the, un the injustices others experience because of our lack of moderation. The United States constitutes 5% of the world's population, but we consume 24% of the world's energy and resources. According to StopTheHunger.com, every day in the United States, we waste or throw away over three times the amount of food that would be needed to cure world hunger that day. We have a problem, a problem of stuff. We're always wanting more and more and more, and we are completely unaware most days of how others struggle to live with less and less and less. Jesus was most critical in his ministry of religious hypocrisy and failing in our responsibility to help the poor, the marginalized, and the oppressed. It's also all over the Old Testament Jewish law. Every single person was responsible for the welfare of everyone else. And the early church was the same way. It says in the Bible, all who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their property and possessions and divide them among all according to each one's need. Now, we have something in the Catholic Church called Catholic social teaching. There are seven main points or categories of concern that every single Catholic is called to uphold and live by. And I want to talk briefly about each one because they're very important. So the first one we've talked about before, it's the life and dignity of the human person. So the Catholic Church proclaims that human life is sacred and that the dignity of the human person is the foundation of a moral vision for society. Our belief in the sanctity of human life is the foundation of all other principles of the social teaching. All the other six points stand on the foundation of this one. We believe that every person is precious and that people are more important than things. The measure of every institution is whether it threatens or enhances the life and dignity of the human person. The second one is the call to family, community, and participation. People are not only sacred, but we are social. How we organize our society in economics, politics, in law and policy, that directly affects human dignity and the capacity that individuals have to grow in community. The family is the central social institution that must be supported and strengthened. It cannot be undermined. 
We believe people have a right and a duty to a family to participate in society, and we must seek the common good and well-being of all, especially the poor and the vulnerable. Number three is rights and responsibilities. The Catholic tradition teaches that human dignity can be protected and a healthy community can be achieved, those are the first two points, only if human rights are protected and responsibilities are met. Therefore, we believe that every person has a fundamental right to life and a right to those things required for human decency. Number four is the preferential option for the poor and the vulnerable. A basic moral test for society is how our most vulnerable members are cared for. In a world with an increasing gap between rich and poor, we must remember to use our abundance to put the needs of the poor and vulnerable first. Number five, the dignity of work and the rights of workers. The economy must serve people, not the other way around. We cannot be slaves to an economic system. Work is more than a way to make a living. It's a form of participation in God's creation. If the dignity of work is to be protected, then the basic rights of workers must be respected. The right to productive work, to decent and fair wages, to organize and join unions, the right to private property, and to economic initiative. Everyone should be able to have those opportunities. Number six is solidarity. We are our brothers and sisters keepers, wherever they live. We are one human family, whatever our national, racial, ethnic, economic, religious, and ideological differences. So learning to practice the virtue of solidarity means learning that loving our neighbor has global dimensions in an interdependent world. But it cannot exist without subsidiary, without also doing what is needed here locally with our actual literal neighbors, but also seeing the wider global community as all of our brothers and sisters. And lastly, number seven, but definitely not least, is care for the environment. We show respect for God as our creator by being good stewards of creation. Care for the earth is a requirement of our faith. We are called to protect people and the planet, living our faith in relationship with all of God's creation. In fact, Pope Francis wrote an entire encyclical on care for the environment called Laudato Si. This environmental challenge has fundamental moral and ethical dimensions that cannot be ignored. So again, those seven components are life and dignity of the human person, call to family, community, and participation, rights and responsibilities, the preferential option for the poor and the vulnerable, the dignity of work and the rights of workers, solidarity, and care for the environment. Those are the seven components of Catholic social teaching, and I would encourage you to use them as a litmus test for how you're living out your faith. Does your life and do the things you promote, value, and pursue align with these or not? Our nation is one of the wealthiest nations on earth, and yet we do not have to look beyond our borders to find the ravages of poverty. There are homeless people in the streets of our cities. There are destitute families and neglected children in all areas. The causes of poverty are many, but they all call forth the compassion of the church and of Christians. In fact, St. Mother Teresa, she was an Albanian nun who left her home to serve the poor, the lepers, and the marginalized in the slums of Calcutta, India, which at the time was considered one of the poorest and most destitute places on the planet. One story about her says that a journalist once asked her, how could God allow all of this suffering? 
And she reportedly said, God doesn't let this happen. We do. So instead of asking how we can serve and using our gifts to benefit others, we live in a world that is obsessed with getting ahead and bettering the self. Self-help, self-love, self-awareness, it's all great, but not when it's prioritized at the expense of neglecting our brothers and sisters. We can get so consumed by what we have, what we want, or by our achievements, that we fail to recognize the blessings we have. Instead, we become jealous of those who appear ahead of us, of those who have what we do not want. And that brings us to the tenth and final commandment, which is you shall not covet your neighbor's house or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Sometimes worded, you shall not covet your neighbor's goods. When Jesus gave his first teaching in the Gospel of Matthew, he began with something called the Sermon on the Mount. It's in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And I would encourage you to sit down and read it in its entirety. It's beautiful. It encapsulates all that Jesus came to teach and everything that he really embodied. And his teaching begins with these eight statements that are called the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. You've probably heard of them before. The first one, the very first line of his entire first sermon, says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Notice he did not say blessed are the important, the powerful, the rich, the influential, or the popular. He said blessed are the poor in spirit. So how can we be poor in spirit? What does that mean? Well, it means that we recognize in humbling ourselves that we need to detach ourselves from things, from stuff that we think we need, and we need to pursue the only person we truly need, our Savior Jesus Christ. Only then will we be on a path to heaven, to the kingdom. Only then will we recognize what matters most, that none of this stuff can save us, that we are not rich in things, but poor in spirit because we need a savior. No matter what our paycheck looks like, no matter what is on our resume, we're all in the same boat when it comes to sin. So stop asking God for stuff. He will provide for his children, whether we ask him to or not, as long as we trust him. But I'm going to feed my children, whether they ask me to or not, because I love them. So stop asking God for stuff. Instead, ask him to transform your heart, to be your savior, to set you free from your sins. Only he can do that. That is what he came to do, and that is what he desires our permission to do. The Catechism says this, The Lord grieves over the rich because they find their consolation in the abundance of goods. Let the proud seek and love earthly kingdoms, but blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Abandonment to the providence of the Father in heaven frees us from anxiety about tomorrow. Trust in God is a preparation for the blessedness of the poor. They shall see God. To be obedient to this commandment, we must avoid things like greed and envy and seek to have an inner poverty of the heart. We must recognize with gratitude all that God has given us. The very breath in our lungs, everything good in our life comes from God. The only thing that we can claim for ourselves is our sin. He has given us abundance and gifts, and we must use our abundance and the unique gifts he has given us to serve others, to preach the good news, and to be good stewards. In the first letter of Peter, we're told, be hospitable to one another without complaining. 
As each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So what identifies a steward? Safeguarding resources and using them responsibly. Generously giving of our time, talent, and treasure. As stewards, we receive God's gifts gratefully. We cultivate them responsibly and we share them lovingly in justice with others so that we can return them with increase to the Lord. If you want to know what someone values, look at their wallet and their calendar, where they spend their time and their money. Where do you spend your time and your money? Are God, your church community, your faith, and serving others high on that list? Do they make that list at all? As it says in Matthew, for where your treasure is, there also will your heart be. We're called to offer our time, talent, and treasure. In offering our time, do you offer your time to volunteer in ministries and organizations in service of others? How could you do that? In offering your talent, do you use the gifts that you've been given to serve in different ministries, to call attention to pressing issues of concern, or to work to correct them? What can you uniquely do with what God has given you? And in offering your treasure, do you tithe? Do you give financially to the church and other charitable institutions? In the Old Testament, the first fruits, the first harvest, firstborn animals, and even firstborn children were all dedicated in some way to God. They belonged to him. The Bible says in Genesis 14.20 that Abraham gave God a tenth of everything. Ten percent. Maybe you cannot do that. Do what you can, but don't just give comfortably. Give as a steward would, recognizing everything that we have comes from God, and so we should offer it back to him as much as we can. To obey the seventh and tenth commandments means to have a generous heart. Part of being a disciple of Jesus Christ means that we work to ensure that all people have access to what makes them fully human and fosters their human dignity. Faith, education, health care, housing, employment, and leisure. We can't be obsessed with getting more for ourselves, whether it's through stealing it or through having envy from what our neighbor has. No, Catholics are called to build up the resources of the church so that she can continue to serve others. We do this by practicing generosity and offering our time, our talents, and our treasures for the service of others. Now, if you've stayed with us uh, to this point, you've heard about what we believe about God, where those desires point, how we know he's real, and how we understand God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. We've talked about how we worship him in the Mass and in the sacraments, how to connect with him in prayer and relationship. And we've talked about how to live out the teachings of the church in the world, particularly by obeying the commandments. And now at this point, this is really a decision point for you to really ask yourself, do you believe it all? And if so, what are you going to do about it? Our final section of episodes will be coming out in the coming weeks at the same schedule, um, which at this time, as they're posting, will be in the Easter season. And they're going to focus specifically on the responsibilities that we have of living as disciples of the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And what does it mean to say yes to all the things that we've learned in these previous episodes and truly live them out? So I encourage you to sit down and get a head start on what that might look like. Sit down and read the Sermon on the Mount. Read Matthew chapters 5 through 7 and let it challenge you and bring you to prayer to discern how God is calling you to give, to be generous, to be poor in spirit. Worry less about stuff. 
and worry more about serving others. Thank you.